Vital Educators podcast is hosted by self-development coach, investor, and renowned educator, Ahmed Saqib. Ahmed will speak to fellow educators, young professionals, ordinary people like you and me about their life choices that allowed them to become successful in their careers. He will also delve deeper into the psychology and their perception of success, the good, bad, and the ugly. For young students, he will discuss techniques to help you with your learning and development. Ahmed is committed to helping you determine what you want to do in life. He will share his own life experiences of self-discovery and self-realization that has led him to launch this venture. So this podcast is for anyone who wants to know more about various paths to becoming successful in any profession or passion. Hi guys, it's Amit here from Vital Educators. So today I have a very special guest on who's uh, an amazing, amazing guy. He is a development engineer at BP. Um, I have brought in IT specialist and I have brought in optometrist and medical students on the podcast so far. So I th- thought it was a good idea for me to bring an engineer as well. Um, this guy is just absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I don't want to say too much because I want him to speak. Welcome to the podcast, Bilal. How's it going? Thank you very much, Ahmed. It's good to be here. Awesome. Uh, so I think I'll start off the bat because I know that you're extremely busy man um, let's start with how what made you want to become an engineer in the first place so I think this goes back to um, goes all the way back to school for me I I for a very long time I wanted to be an architect I had a very distinct recollection of a conversation I had at a year nine careers fair with a with an architect who came in and he was showing me these photos of bridges that he'd designed and worked on and there was just something about that that I found very appealing the fact that you know through his through his design work he was able to create something that existed in the physical world and that people were using all of the time so um, that kind of stayed stayed with me that conversation and I I, from that point on I I thought I was going to be an architect so I got to um, I got to sixth form and I started as you get to your AS level year you start researching planning for UCAS etc uh, as I was looking into architecture I realized there was probably a bit too much art in in the subject and not not enough science and engineering which is what I was kind of wanting out of it and also I realized it's a very 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 long slog to make it uh, as an architect not that that should deter anyone if they are willing to, or wanting to be architects I think I think it's a great profession, but it's it, it, it takes seven years to be a fully qualified architect. Um, so you really have to be fully in it for the long haul. So, um, I, and I wasn't prepared to put seven years into something. I wanted to be kind of, uh, you know, working at, at that level before that time. So um, I had a bit of a, an internal crisis at that point. I, I was sort of like, okay, crap. I had thought about architecture all this time. I don't know what to do now. So, um, I again I was researching lots I had a conversation with my sixth form tutor and um she she was an incredibly um she she was a really formative person in terms of someone who kind of shaped me and saw the potential in me and she said well why don't you look at uh, civil engineering um and I was like as people usually are when they hear this what is what the hell is civil engineering <laughs> so um so I started to have a look into it and um yeah I was like okay this this is what I wanted this is the mix of creativity and engineering and physics that I wanted so yeah that that was the point I decided to go into engineering okay let's go back to year 9 yeah. uh, so prior to year 9 you weren't absolutely you weren't involved or you weren't you didn't have any sort of idea as to where your life was going or what kind of a person were you and how coming across this career sphere had that changed you so much so that you'd become a completely different person was this a was this a shift of behavior as such or no I I don't think it changed me as a person at all I I just think um, it gave me a bit of a, a direction on something to aspire to as a professional I was always 
I was always very ambitious um, in terms of academically and I knew I wanted to do something professionally in the longer run um, that would be really impactful but I um, you know coming from the background that I did I had very limited knowledge or awareness of what was out there as a potential mm. career path for someone like me mm. um, so in some senses the, this careers fair was the very first time I'd had a tangible conversation with someone which had led to uh, you know me having some aspirations for a for a career outside of School. So, so would you say that prior to that you were always a studious person you were always keen to learn more things you were always serious about your academics essentially yeah I, I was always very studious I was always um, very keen to do extracurricular things as well so I, 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 I always like to kind of do things outside of just just going to school oh, okay so what kind of extracurricular things are you actually normally participated in so um, at this point uh, so I wasn't really a sporty person I got into sports uh, and fitness much later on um, so my extracurricular th things at school were primarily getting involved in the school council um, getting involved in doing web design uh, I won a, a national web design competition in in I think it was in year eight it was run by channel four um, so I, I could have very, in hindsight, very easily gone into a, a web design or graphics <laughs> design career. Do you miss um, it? I, 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 do, I do sometimes. I do like to dabble in a bit of design every so often. Um, but yeah, so I, I used to do graphics design. I used to play around with Photoshop. Um, one of the other things I got in at school was into at school was um, uh, politics, uh, youth politics. So I, um, I think in year eight I was elected as a representative um, of the UK Youth Parliament for Birmingham. Yep. And that's where we met. That, that's yeah, that is where we first <laughs> met. Um, so so yeah, I I was always very extracurricular in my thinking. Okay, so uh, so let's move on. So from from that on onwards, from joining the UK Parliament at year eight, Youth Parliament. I apologise, <laughs> UK Youth Parliament. Clearly, you love it a lot more than I did. Um, you you that was a good networking opportunity, right, for you? I mean, because I, I was speaking to you before as well that you are still in contact with a lot of people who actually went to that, including myself. Yeah. What is what was it about Youth Parliament that attracted you, or being in the school school council that attracted you so much? towards it that you stayed within within it until that you were until you were like after university right so you were you were there for like a good four or five years yeah yeah so i um i i think i just found it an, an appealing way to um firstly meet new people mm -hmm. outside of the, the the kind of school environment that i was in um and i think I don't think I appreciated the importance of this until much later on and how much it gave me until much later on. Um, and then the second thing was actually having the ability to influence um, the world. You know, even though, in again, in hindsight, what we were doing at, at the youth parliament level wasn't, you know, we weren't making big world-changing decisions. We were, we were just influencing small political decisions. We were having conversations with politicians, uh, but we were trying to get our voice heard. So we were influencing, you know, for example, one of the things that I did um, together with uh, a few uh, of my friends in the youth parliament, a couple of whom I'm still, you know, in very close friends with, we we set up a um, a transport uh, event in Birmingham. So we we spent probably about six months to eight months planning this, and we pulled in young people from all over the city uh, to get their views on how transport in Birmingham could be improved for children and young people using those services. Nice. And we got buy-in from the city council. We got the transport department to sponsor it. We had. Uh, councillors at the event we had um, I think we had an MP attend um, it was just it was a very rewarding experience to be able to go and do that as a as a 13 14 15 year old to be able to sit with councillors and have them uh, or MPs and have them listen to you um, it was quite quite rewarding so a lot of people who are listening to this are parents of children who are 13 and 14 year olds mm -hmm. Now the question that comes to my mind, and I'm sure question that comes to a lot of their minds as well, is that how does this 14 year old becomes the way that you are? I mean, you are even even from my perspective as well, from a, as a 13 year old, 14 year old, you're way more mature than everybody else mm. in that in that spectrum. Yeah. So I just want to understand how did you 
how were you able to be this mature and yeah. this academically focused at a, such a young age? Because I think a lot of people realize that education is important at a lot later on in their mm. lives. So what made you become this way, essentially? It's it's a good question. It's it's something I've thought about more and more. Um, I guess it was never really like a deliberate decision. I mean, you you when you're a child, you don't really make these decisions um, by comparing all the alternatives and saying, okay, right now for me it's best to be studious and a, and a <laughs> this is the best life decision. I think it goes back to the fact that. Um, so I, I came to Pakistan, so I was originally born in the UK. Uh, when I was two, my family, the entire family, we moved to Pakistan. We um, we lived in a uh, very small, essentially, village. Uh, farm, family background was farming and agriculture. Nice. And we lived there for six years. And then when I was eight, we moved back. So I, I was in primary school. I came into the middle of year three. Very distinct memories of this period. Wow. Um, I didn't know any English. Um, so I knew you, I knew you, how to count to ten in English wow. at that point. Maybe. So you did not even learn any English while you were in Pakistan nope. at all. Wow. I I learned. I, I knew a few colors and <laughs> how to count from one to ten. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I'd, I'd done, you know, I'd, I think I'd started primary school um, at this point uh, in Pakistan, but this was a very small village school. So mm. coming here, being dropped into a year three class mm. and not being able to understand anyone. Um, again, as a child, I'd, I think, again, you know, how how did I even adapt to that environment? Um it's it's amazing when you think back what what kids can really do, and I I do think we need to give more credit for um, to kids and and their ability to withstand challenges at a young age, and I I do think we need to push kids harder at a younger age. Um, so anyway, I I think it took me about two months maybe to get reasonably fluent in English to be able to talk to my friends uh, and classmates. And I, I do remember that I think until year five or year six, I was um, in my class. I was on the bottom table for everything except maths, uh, because you know maths is you don't need the language. You can do maths without. And and maths was taught very well in Pakistan, but for everything else, I was at the bottom of the class. I was just learning from basics how to communicate, how to get my head around English. Until um, year five, so two years. Pro probably you. until yeah, I think my you know my I would say my academic strength started leveling out maybe year six, year five, year six, um, and I think starting to read reading books was a really uh, important change um, for did me. You, did you feel like an outsider when you obviously couldn't speak? I'm sure. I mean, it's such a silly question. Yeah. Um, but like, did you feel like a consistent outsider? until you were in year six, until that period of time, do you feel like you weren't able to fit in to that sort of environment, into this British culture? Yeah, in a, in a I, sense? I think I felt like an outsider for uh, for a very long time, even, even, um, even well into secondary school, I think I felt like an outsider at times um, because I didn't have the full depth of nursery school experience that, you know, some of the my classmates at secondary school had been in the same class or had known each other since they had been babies, indeed, <laughs> essentially. Um, so I, I felt like, um, and, I, and I'm sure you can relate to this I'm as well, sure. coming in, you know, when, when you came yeah, from Pakistan absolutely. yourself. I think, but I was a lot older than, than, than you were. So Yeah, you were more, I, you were more aware of it. For me, it was a true. reaction, yeah, 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 uh, just uh, an unaware reaction. Yeah. But I think to go back to your original question, I, I think seeing the opportunities that were available here, even though I wasn't um, sort of overtly aware of them, mm -hmm. um, there was clearly something in the back of my mind which was like, I was a kid in Pakistan in a village and now I'm here and there's all of these opportunities to do things, school clubs, trips, do things like the school council like none of these opportunities existed for me in Pakistan and really? I, I so, just oh, that was gonna be my next I question. just inherently I think from that point just valued them a lot more I guess Wow so I think the perspective that I take from what you've said is ideally somebody who really needs to realize how lucky they are they have to go to a place 
in the world yeah. where they get to see somebody else and realize how I shouldn't say this in air quotes unlucky they are because they don't yeah. have the same opportunities yeah. that they have and once they realize that I think that's a major shift mm-hmm. in their way of thinking and I think that would be a major shift in your way, your way of thinking yeah. as well yeah. um, eventually when you got to year 9 and, and yeah. then that's when you decided it, this is the part that I'm going to take becoming a web designer and then you were kind of tackling with the idea if mm-hmm. i if i recall correctly tackling with the idea that you you don't want to uh, web designing or sorry not des- designing architecture, architecture yeah. yeah architecture i apologize does not have the the science or the technicality involved mm-hmm. that you're actually looking for and it takes a lot longer time to become mm-hmm. an architect anyway mm-hmm. so then you had a conversation at a levels yes. essentially with your a t- tutor yeah. and she kind of guided you in a direction towards civil engineering that's right and uh, before i move on to a levels and civil engineering as a degree i just wanted to ask what did you get in your gcse's because a lot of people say what do, what grades do we need to yeah, get to yeah. where so what yeah. did you get in your gcse's so gcse's for me were two a stars mm. and eight a's okay and did you aim to get certain out of a stars or anything or you were uh, like no no again i was just looking to do the very best that i could i had um you know my older siblings had been through the education system quite a long time before me there was a bit of an age gap so mm-hmm. um i think they had done o levels as well so it wasn't like oh, i had wow. a reference point for <laughs> what to compete against of course and um there wasn't any wider family i had here uh, again, again i didn't have a reference i wasn't competing for, i wasn't pushing for a certain number of a stars um and also i didn't have any guidance on you know if you want to do this career path you need x amount of a stars if you want to go into oxford or cambridge you need x amount of a stars i i had no idea so i was just looking to do the very best that i could personally do at that point so what uh, and, and if i recall correctly you went to a comprehensive school which yeah. means if i don't if you don't mind me saying it and i went to one as well yeah. uh, a, a below average school in yes. in birmingham yeah. but then after getting to a stars and eight a's did you say yeah. uh, you went to one of the best schools in the country which was uh, bishop vizi's grammar school yeah. um the question becomes was there a actual difference in the teaching quality from a comprehensive school versus a grammar school oh to- totally um and and i should caveat this answer with um th- that i i i don't think this is the particular fault of the teachers okay. i i think um i had some incredible teachers at my compre- at my secondary school which was as you say in in a city school uh, when i started certainly it, it was a very rough place to be um So uh, but I had some really good teachers there teachers again who saw the potential who mm. saw what I was you know potentially capable of and and supported me mm. but I think you know one of the fundamental <coughs> differences in the education I received at the comprehensive school and and the grammar school that I went to for sixth form was that um at the at the grammar school sixth form teachers were able to spend a lot more time with kids who were talented academically and push them even harder to go beyond that you know even go beyond that a push for the a star and constantly push for that um and that that was something that didn't exist at secondary school for me it was you know you need to get make sure you get your c's and above <laughs> and we need to push you to the a but if you if you pass the c then you're you're safe you know you're the, you you didn't get that extra push, push. all the way to Fair. to really excel um Fair. and 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 i think that that's in terms of education and teaching that's probably the key difference and you know again that's not the fault of teachers it's just that uh, at a comprehensive school they they're teaching a, a very wide variety of academic abilities and and therefore they have to be able to deal with that spectrum of academic abilities you're absolutely right but you know what's funny i would slightly dis- actually I wouldn't even slightly I would completely disagree with you because the experience I had was the complete opposite yeah because the school I went to even though it was also a below average school mm. um people saw potential in me because I was standing out from rest of the rest of the I'd say group so they put extra attention on me so I could do the best I possibly can yeah so whereas when I went to a grammar school because I was the average I was treated like the average because mm. teachers were like 
very nonchalant and I, and I don't want to again say anything about any teachers specifically but they were like everybody else is doing it this guy will do it as well so right. I was I should say I was a big fish in a small pond before mm-hmm. and then after that I went into the ocean and I realized <laughs> what the hell am I into basically yeah. so so I, I think um, what you're talking about is really boils down to individuals perspectives it does uh, and but, but I think again this comes back to the extracurricular stuff Okay. I think the fact that I was very keen on doing um, extracurricular things when I got to the sixth form, you're right. I was, I was, a, I was a small fish in a big pond. Whereas before, I had been, you know, a big fish um, because I I was able to more easily stand out academically. Um, but when I got to sixth form, it was you know academically I was average at that point at best. Um, but what pushed me up, uh, uh, sort of apart here, what set me apart here was um, the extracurricular um, side again, the, yeah. the, the, the sort of desire I had to get involved in school activities. And, and again, here, I think that's what the teachers at the sixth form saw in me and they pushed me to, to do that even further. Mm. And, um, and, and at sixth form, I was really able to do this to, to a level that that I really enjoyed and 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 the opportunities that the sixth form gave me to do the extracurricular stuff that it did um and to network with the people I had access to was was really distinguished mm. um and and I do think that was a really formative time for me in terms of opening my mind even to the opportunities that existed and opening you know despite all this experience I had with the youth parliament opening um, my horizons to a, a wider network of people I could associate with, um, and 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 that for me was a really formative experience. Do you think by taking part in, for example, youth, UK Youth Parliament, mm. did did it change not your perspective? Did it change your mentality towards or your approach towards your career or towards your life? In essence, I I don't think it it changed my approach. I think it it. Um, it gave me the ability to be able to talk to people at all levels mm. um a lot easier mm. um so um i you know i sat in a debate uh, on the same platform in a debate with a cabinet minister at the age of 14 mm. or 15 mm. um and and i think experiences like that really give you the ability to to sort of be able to talk to people at all levels without being without being um sort of um scared mm. by, by the platform mm. so uh, so I, I do think that that made a difference um and i was and, and again just being able to communicate with people on a, on a very wide spectrum and also being able to debate mm. and get your points across mm. uh, succinctly mm-hmm. um that's a skill that i think i picked up from the youth parliament and and that's just a, a really fundamentally good life skill to have through Indeed. interviews university yep. And all the way through to the corporate environment right. right now. You're right. Okay. So the one thing that sticks out to me about you, which is absolutely fascinating, I, I, I completely admire you for it as well. And a lot of the listeners who would be listening to this would also think the same way. Think about it this way. When you were eight years of age, when you came to this country in year three, you could not speak a word of English. Mm. And then at 14, you were sitting in front of a cabinet minister having a debate in English language on, I should say, a a national scale, in a sense. To me, that's fantastic. I mean, uh, do you ever wonder, you sit back and wonder, like, how did this even happen? Like, how did, how do, how did I get there? How did, how did a child make a leap? I mean, was it, was it your, uh, there must be something there, there must be a support structure there that allowed you, what, did your parents encourage you to take part in youth parliament? Like, how did this youth parliament thing kind of came up to you like how did this even happen i i think it came from a teacher encouraging me to go and try it out um and then the rest was just a personal desire to get involved and do it to be honest um yeah i think it was just a very personal desire to to just keep keep exploring what opportunities were out there keep keep ticking the boxes that said yes i want i want more more opportunities i want to go on more more field trips i want to go on more um you know debate opportunities i want to participate more in the school council so, so your your mentality is 
you're, it's all boils down to your mindset basically. Whereas most people, uh, when they get an opportunity like this, especially in school, the most kids, they're like, oh my God, why do I need to do this? Whereas your, your, your mentality was, wow, this is an opportunity. This is a, this is a great way for me to expand my horizons yeah. and go out there and learn as much as possible mm-hmm. and uh, kind of grow my skill set. Uh, and I don't know whether at that time you thought about networking and how this could actually pay no, off 10 years down no, the line. No. But like, I, I think right now it is paying off yeah. because it pays off, paid off 10 times more because mm-hmm. like you say, the, the art of communication that you have, the, the, the ability for you to speak to so many different demographics mm-hmm. kind of gives me, um, and, and that's pretty, pretty why I got into youth parliament as well. Yeah. Um, it kind of gives you an idea of how you can kind of uh, integrate into any society at any level. Yes. Oh, and and that is a skill that is that is how should I say this? That's that's that that should be cherished. Yeah, because it, not a lot it, not a lot of people have that whatsoever. It is it is an incredibly valuable skill. Um, very astute as well. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know if and it's it's very difficult to prescribe to someone how to develop it, mm. um, other than to just immerse yourself in as, as many varied life experiences as possible. And, 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 you know, as, as you, as you get older to travel as much as possible, mm. you know, e- even now I sometimes think that, um, it, I, I, I personally even find it weird that I have the ability to, um, you know, go to a, a random takeaway in Birmingham and, you know, comfortably order whatever I want to eat. (laughs) Um, uh, And then, you know, the next day sit at a black tie event at the Dorchester Hotel in London and communicate with people who are lords, MPs, um, and be able to hold a conversation on both spectrums. It it, it is quite mind-boggling when you think about it. Um, but the only way you you build that up is just by just by immersing yourself in as many different life experiences as possible. As possible, okay. Because a, a lot of people don't take the chance because some an average student or an average kid out there, the first thing they'll go through their head: Oh my God, I'll mess this up, or Oh my God, I've yeah. never done this before. Why am I doing this? Why yeah. am I being pushed to do this? Your perspective and your approach, yeah. your mentality is 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 something to be commended. Yeah. I must say, and something to be admired. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of people have that. So, if uh, uh, do you think that's inherent, or do you think that's uh, <laughs> something that comes from your parents nourishing you, or your teachers? Is it nature or nurture, essentially? I would. I, I don't know the answer to that. To be, honest. I think it is a combination of all of those things. Mm. Um, but do you think your brother has that? Because I know your brother's younger than you. Do you think he's like you? He he, he is um, may, maybe not in in every element. I think we are different people, but um, there, there's a lot of aspects that are similar. Again, I think he has a similar ability to communicate with people at all levels. Um, yeah, I I just think yeah, it's a combination of some some environmental things and then some things that are very personal. Like for me, um, and I think this is more innate rather than something that's nurtured. I um, I I have always enjoyed public speaking. Um, I have never had that fear of public speaking. I I still get a buzz out of it. And as far back as I can remember, even being a child, I. I was never particularly nervous about standing up in front of a group of people and talking um, to them. Even when you couldn't speak English. Even even when I I guess yeah, hell, even when I couldn't balls. speak English. <laughs> oh wow, I commend you yeah. for that because obviously even a guy like me, I mean I couldn't speak English either when I came here. I yeah. was in year ten, yeah. so I was fourteen, fifteen years old when I came here. Yeah. So for me it was it was difficult, but um, I kind of. I kind of got used to it, I guess, mm. and uh, I kind of forgot about. I think a lot of this is just forgetting about what's going to happen and just taking just a it. dive. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. That's yeah. the en- word. Enjoy it. Enjoy and it. Try yeah. and enjoy it. If I if, think. If, 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 it, if you mess it, up, what, what I yeah, what I always say to people when it comes to public speaking is, um, you are going to be in very few situations where you're going to get up on a stage or stand in front of a group of people, and for that group of people to want you to fail. Mm. Wow. Very few situations. Wow. So that's what you have to get in your head. When you stand up in front of a group of people, they want you to speak. They want to hear good things come out from you. Mm. They they feel they will feel even more awkward than you will if you <laughs> screw up at that True. point. True. Um, so I think it's just getting into your head that the people you're going to be speaking to, 
really just want you to do really well and they want you to speak com- confidently and they want to hear what you're saying otherwise they wouldn't be sat there but i think th- the when it comes to public speaking that's not the first thing that goes to your that's head true. Though, is it? Yeah. the first thing that goes to your head is oh my god i'm gonna mess this up yeah. big time yeah i don't and know yeah, what that's if i mess up to... my lines or that's that's one of the things that that happens yeah um, a lot of people use cue cards i'm the sort of a guy who just goes off the bat and just say whatever comes to my mind yeah i i try my best to not think about anything whatsoever and have mm. a clean slate and then kind of build up on what I'm talking about like with you and me right now as you already know I don't have any notes in front of me I have not prepared this whatsoever this is going right off the bat yeah whatever is coming to my head whatever you're saying I'm just ricocheting it off yeah off you, whatever you're saying and, 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 and asking you questions about yeah. whatever you, you give me essentially see I, I think that's a difference we have though because I, I do think you're very good at doing that I have listened to a few of your other podcast episodes you're 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 very much able to bounce off what the other person's saying and and take it in 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 some really good directions whereas generally for me to do that i need a little bit more preparation um, i think is also i would say i've known you for a lot longer yeah, as well so true. technically i i i i'm not going to say i don't need preparation i yeah. definitely would require some sort of pepper, yeah. preparation is because i already know who you are as a person mm-hmm. uh, had you in a book or something i'd probably sit down and actually read the book or read a summary of the book so i can understand yeah. we can discuss that of course yeah. but uh because i know you i think i have done that homework i have had, have had a long period of time to do that homework yeah. essentially so okay so let's move on to your so you did your gcses you got into the grammar school which mm-hmm. is fantastic um what subjects did you choose in your a level so i did maths physics chemistry and economics love it economics okay. was the one that i dropped at as okay and why did you do that why did you decide to drop economics versus the rest of the three i I guess it was a combination of I knew I needed to have the sciences to to go and do engineering. Um I knew I needed maths and physics at least and I kind of thought um I needed chemistry as well. In hindsight, I would have kept economics and dropped chemistry. I'm I think I would have I I would have uh, cuz <laughs> chemistry was bloody hard. <laughs> chemistry was brutal. I, uh, maths and physics came to me very naturally. Uh, most but, people don't say that most but, people find physics to be extremely hard no physics came to me very naturally chemistry i found extremely difficult um and it was a slog getting through so i i kind of wished i i dropped chemistry and uh stuck with economics why so why didn't you drop chemistry at as anyway it was just one of those things i felt like i needed chemistry more than economics at that point for you to do your degree yeah, yeah. okay yeah. fine so so in my viewpoint so um presumably do you think that dropping economics kind of hindered you in a sense moving forward or no, not no no i so? wouldn't say so but in hindsight if you were to go back if you were yeah i think i would have found my second year a lot easier if i'd kept economics, economics. Okay. So what did you end up getting at the end of your A level? So I got A B B okay. A level. Nice. nice. Um, and A was in maths. A was in maths. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> it comes with the skill yeah, curve, I say. It went it was there from the very start. Um but my A levels are an interesting story as well. So I I made Tell that me. classical mistake where uh um I was riding on the high of 2A stars, 8As from GCSEs and I was like, yeah, I'm 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 getting good at this now. So I should be able to breeze through A levels. Um not recognizing that it's a absolutely different game when you get to A levels. And um I I just took it way too easy in my AS here and I think my AS level results were like three Cs and and a D I think no way I think I had I had a, I had chemistry. a D in physics at that oh point. dear lord yeah <laughs> how did it, this it was happen? catastrophically bad wow. I I screwed up where do you think you fall um, and 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 this is weird right because I've just gone from a comprehensive school to an incredibly well performing sixth form and I've just tanked my AS um and and just i think the complete mistake i made was um not listening to what my teachers were saying about you know taking it seriously and um just thinking Being i could breeze uh, yeah overconfidence a fundamental sense of cockiness and overconfidence at that I'm point. I'm busy being in youth parliament. Yeah, that that too as well. I think I I I probably let my extracurricular activities get a bit too uh, time consuming. Mm. Um so yeah, that that was a real um shock to the system. <laughs> <laughs> so hold on, so you weren't hoping to do that bad after AS? 
No, I, I was expecting some good results. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh wow! What a yeah. what a tragedy that is. Yeah. You do. Oh, I feel like I've done really well yep. here. Yep. Next thing you know, oh my god! What the yeah, hell I, I remember the day very well. It was. It was. Were your, your parents around? Yeah, I mean, my parents um, were just like, yeah, he'll be fine, kind of thing. <laughs> I love how supportive your parents yeah. are. I must say. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So uh, after that, of course, I realized, or you must have realized, and that's the thing. I think we don't get that anymore. Children, I don't know whether you know, we don't have, they don't have ASs anymore. Yeah, it's all one. It's all so one you don't now. have a second chance. So, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, uh, <laughs> you are lucky in that sense. <laughs> Very lucky. Wow. So you you, re- you retook them. So you basically took all of your A levels again. Essentially, I pretty much had to do in my uh, second year of sixth form. I had to do a lot of resets. Mm. Um, and the irony is I was actually even busier with uh, extracurricular stuff because I had been appointed as um, uh, president of the school council, um, which is, uh, so So the sixth form took officer positions very seriously and they meant a lot. So this was like the second in command for the, the school officer team, basically. Um, and it meant I had a lot, lot of responsibilities um, I ended up taking it upon myself to rewrite the entire constitution of the school oh council. Um, I took it upon myself to play a lead role in organizing events. I hosted a talent show. You were made show. up of some other I hosted, DNA. I, I hosted a, a talent show with dance performances, um, which, for, again, for me, for someone like the background I had, I was like, it was just such a, a different thing to do. Um, so yeah, I had even more extracurricular commitments. I was retaking all of my A levels, uh, AS level exams. Um, in, the, in the midst, you're also applying for university and, and well. applying for universities as oh well. Oh my god! So there was a lot going on. <laughs> At seventeen to eighteen was not. I think it was really kind to you as well, actually, because it ended up paying off because you really pushed yourself, pedal to the metal. It was oh, yeah. kind of for yeah, you, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because you ended up going from C's and D's to A's and B's. Like, yeah. Now talk to me about that shift because a lot of my own listeners are are in the same period. Mm. Some of the kids that I come across are already on C's and D's and they want to get those A's and B's. What would you suggest that they should be doing? You just have to knuckle down and oh, work dear. hard. Oh, dear. Just knuckle down, work hard, listen to everything you're teachers are telling you and go to those extra revision classes um, just right. suck it up because it's a year it's and this is it, I, you know, I've, my, I have nephews and nieces who, are, who have been through A-levels and, and I've said this to them time and time again and it's it's difficult because I think back to when I was a kid and people used to tell me this stuff and I was like, like screw you yeah. I, I, I will do what I want <laughs> <laughs> it was Very typical so. teenage reaction right but it's just a year of your life um, and it's such a a crucial year because if you get this right if you get your if you smash your a levels it makes life a lot easier it's, i mean it, if you have academic aspirations that is um, it makes life a lot easier for you mm. um, so yeah it's just you just got to suck it up for that year just put your hobbies to one side um, so talk to me about uh, talk to me what you're saying put your hobbies on one side mm. right now so let me let me let me ask you a specific question so you're pres- president of the council right <laughs> this is actually at 17 to 18 so you have ex- extreme you have a lot more responsibilities yeah. you also have your retakes you also have your university yeah. you have a lot going on yeah. how are you prioritizing what goes first and what goes second what goes third how, how are you doing this in, and you've got school at the same time what are you doing just how did you how did you manage this? I was just looking at what was coming up in the next month or two. So and you were focusing planning and pla- I wasn't. I I don't. I think I could have planned better. I think okay. if I planned better, I could have done even better academically because I still had spare time that I didn't make sufficient use of. Um, so yeah, I, I was planning. I was just knuckling down, studying intensively. Um, but yeah, I, I could have. I think I. I think I could have very easily used even more of my spare time and and gotten three A's or even A stars if I if I'd pushed myself harder. Um, but yeah, I, I I didn't at least in A two year I I wasn't playing computer games, I wasn't going out you know with my friends uh, very much. It was well, very focused. I was still doing the the youth parliament stuff. I was still doing the school council extra stuff as well. Yeah. Wow. So, so you 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 were more of a your mentality or your approach was at that time. I'll take everything one step at a time. Yeah. Whatever comes my way, that's yeah. what I'm going to focus on. Yeah. And then not worry about what's going to happen next. Yeah. Uh, and whatever you were doing, 
All, yeah, albeit I understand that you, what you're saying is that you could have done more with it, but you're mm. saying whatever you were doing, you were solely focusing on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that that was it. Yeah. Okay, and that allowed you. Yeah, to Yeah, I remember when you know when it came time to write my personal statement for UCAS, I was very focused on crafting um, something that was very distinctive that that would stand out. Um, I think I still remember elements of my personal statement to this what day were you because predicted? I. Um, I was predicted AAB, I think, okay. um, and <laughs> so I had to I had to go around to my teachers and, and plead a little bit. I was like, please, just predict me these because I need this is what I need to get into engineering at a decent university. And they were like, yeah, but you've got C's and these. Just like, please, just predict me these. I will, I will, I will do everything it takes to get them. Um, so Glad yeah, it, it was a lot of pleading to make sure I got those right. Good thing is they listen to you, and you know yeah. why they listen to you? Do you if you if you talk, honestly, if anybody who they have not even heard of who sits at the back and just does whatever he wants goes up to them, mm. they won't find that relatable because yeah. they knew who you were ideally because you were part of the youth council mm -hmm. and then you were part of the UK parliament yeah. and you were very much communicative and yeah. you were very much um, confident. Mm. Um, they understood that you had the flair to yeah. do well in your life. Yeah. Therefore, uh, I sort of got predictions are just that. They're yeah. just predictions. They're absolutely okay? just predictions. Uh, and, and for them to predict you that from from C's is phenomenal yeah. and for you to achieve those grades in the end, you, I know that you, you got ABB but yeah. it's pretty much the same thing, yeah. right? It's also mind-blowingly amazing. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, I, I can't even get yeah. my head around because I, I definitely know a lot of people who, who have done that. But like you said, it takes a lot and a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, but let me ask you this question. Uh -huh. You said earlier you could you could get A's and A stars. Now I know where you are because I'm going to get onto that yeah. part later on. Yeah. Um, do you think it matters whether you had A's and A stars in hindsight? I, mean, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, so one of the fundamental rules I try and live life with is not to have regrets. Mm -hmm. um, I think, and, and, you know, that's not to say I don't recognize my mistakes. I think it's important to recognize mistakes you've made in the past, uh, but not to have regrets. So I, I do feel like, um, you know, I got those grades. It took me on the path that I was and I ended up where I am today. And Alhamdulillah, I'm very happy with where I am. Um, but I, I do think, you know, maybe if I'd gotten A stars and A's, I could have been, uh, I could have been up there to push myself, uh, to go for Oxford or Cambridge. Um, and, and maybe that would have taken me down a different path. And maybe I wouldn't have been as happy as I am now because I am perfectly content with where I ended up. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that is something that I could have achieved had I so pushed even harder. So you're saying your the re regret that you have is the fact that you did not end up in Oxford and Cambridge. No, I I wouldn't say I have a regret, um, of but I I do think that's something I could have had as an option to uh -huh. consider at that time. You're saying that I definitely agree with you on the front that you are definitely capable yeah. of 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 achieving that. But my question is that in hindsight mm. or looking at it right now from. Does it matter whether you go to Oxford and Cambridge? No. Because, like you said, like you said, you said you you it had when, had you gone to Oxford and Cambridge, you may have ended up somewhere that's ideally better than this or different than this. When you say different, what what do you mean? Well, I mean, it it could have taken me down a different path entirely. Um, it's just as as an example, but um, yeah, like I said, it's it's not something that I regret because I. In my job right now, I work with people who went to Oxford and Cambridge. So, nice. so it's it, 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 in the grand think. scheme of things, it doesn't doesn't make a difference because uh, if there's something you want to do, then you can do it irrespective of which university you go to. Agreed. But I do think at any point in time, you should be maximizing the options you have available to you. Interesting. So your your basic your your mentality is that you you should push yourself as much as possible mm -hmm. to the limits. Uh, don't leave any. Page yeah, don't leave anything on the table. Nice. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, I, li I like the approach that you have in life, I must say. So uh, after finishing your A-levels, getting a BB, mm -hmm. um, you got into Birmingham University yep. uh, to study civil engineering. Yep. Was it a master's course or a bachelor's course? So it was um, It was a master's. It was an uh, integrated master's no, where nice. you start uh, as an undergrad and you do four years straight um, yeah, and, and come up and come out with an MEng. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So when 
and uh, this is where you really shined. So before I get into that, let me ask you this question. Uh-huh. You've been so uh, communicative, you're, you've been so uh, talkative, or you've been, you like being in front of people. Why didn't you consider politics? <laughs> I'm see, or um, PPE, that Oxford and Cambridge yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. PPE. Very yeah. much so. So this is still a question that um, people still ask me to this day. People <laughs> I went to school with, people I was in youth parliament with. Um, you know, I, I was at, um, I was at, youth pol- par- parliament events with the city council where I had local councillors try and convince me, you know, you should join the Labour Party, you should join the Conservative Party, you could have an amazing political ca- career ahead of you. Um, but I I never fancied going into politics at that point. I always um, had the belief that um, if you want to go into politics, it should be on the back of a successful career somewhere else where you've learnt... Um, some fundamental skills you've understood how business works you've understood how engineering works you've understood how science or technology works and and you have some really good grounding in the realities of of working life um that way you're then able to contribute something when you go into politics rather than just going into politics as a career so you're saying you this is a goal that you have essentially when you what you, you ideally you're saying that you didn't want to be a career politician mm. what you wanted to do was to understand the trials and tribulations that you could have you could face as a working man so when you do become a politician later on in your life it's something that you could relate to struggles that you could relate to so is so if am i correct in assuming that there is a still a chance that you could still get into politics moving forward yeah, I, I, it's it's probably a very long way away. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something you're considering. It's right not. Now. It's not something I'm considering right now. Um, maybe maybe something I would I would consider doing in the future once I've um, I've kind of achieved all the aspirations I want to achieve from from my working life. Um, and and the other thing I think uh, is is really important as a politician. Is to have a stable, to have stability, to have financial stability. Um, that way, you're you're not susceptible to any form of corruption. You're not susceptible to uh, making moves that are in the interest of your own financial stability at the um, at the cost of um, uh, of society. In essence, I think it's a it's something that. I somewhat agree with. I know a lot of people who are still corrupt and they are rich as hell. That's true. Uh, yeah. So I, I think I think it comes to pe- people's perspective of life. Yeah. Uh, somebody who is rich, I don't know how they made their money, but if they are greedy as well as rich, mm. um, whichever way the money is coming, they'll That's take true. it. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, I don't know whether you're following much of American politics and I don't want to go into that right yeah. now because th- the podcast is solely focused on you. You speak like Andrew Yang. You know who that is? No. I... Okay. Maybe it's a good idea for you to get okay. back into politics a bit. And It's really <laughs> fun. American politics is amazing. Yeah, like, yeah. I really no, I, I love watching debates, but I, I try and stay out of party politics. I... I will very rarely debate. Did you um, vote this time? I, yeah, I vote every single time. Oh, I love it. Um, but I will very rarely debate politics and okay. political issues, um, unless it's with someone whose viewpoint um, uh, I can understand and and respect. So, and and l- let me add to that that I I don't have to agree with someone to respect their viewpoint, um, but I have a a rule in life which is that. If someone hasn't reasoned their way into a position or an opinion, then you can't reason them out of it. I love it. So, if someone has reasoned their way into the position, hasn't hasn't re- reasoned their way into a position, you cannot reason them out of it. Yeah. Hence, wow. it's no. Hence, there's no point having a debate I love with it. it. I love it. So, yeah. Fine, fine. Okay, let's back in. Let's go back into your um, yeah. uh, university then. So, at university, you really, really shined. University was the time where you were. From my perspective, anyway, and from from what I know of you, mm. is where you were you were a high flyer. You turned into you you really went into the Goku mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, where where you basically for those of you who are listening, um, I think I should have said this earlier. He came first in whole of university in his course, 
which means when he graduated, he was number one out of everybody who's applied for that course. And how many people did civil engineering at Birmingham at that time? So, it, we, I mean, to be fair, we had a relatively small class. I think by the time we got to masters, it was around 50 or 60 of us. Okay. But um, at, at the start of year one, let's start, let's, because it was overall anyway. So um, right, may, maybe around 100 or so in, in the civil lot. engineering still class. still a lot, man. Yeah. I mean, come on, you got to give yourself some credit. So how, how did a guy who, I know you were always a high achiever, but you were, you clearly turned it up a notch. Why did you, A, why did you do that? And how did you do it? And what outcome did you get out of it, essentially? Yeah, so um, I got to university. I um, started civil engineering uh, at, at the, in my, in I, I think shortly after I got the offer, I learned about something that the Institution of Civil Engineers was offering at the time, which was the Quest Scholarship. Mm. And this was a scholarship that they um, were offering to undergraduate students, and you had to apply for it before you started your first year. So it required a lot of forward thinking. Um, so you had to apply for this scholarship before you started your first year. And then literally within, I think, the first two or three months of my first year, I was called for an interview um, at the Institution of Civil Engineers in central London. And again, I, I remember this very distinctly because the interview was on Eid Day. And this was the only time I've made an exception to go and do something on Eid. So I came into central London, a very grand building in Westminster, into this interview hall where I had an interview with five civil engineering companies. And um, out of that, I was very fortunate to receive an offer from one of the companies to sponsor me uh, through my duration at university. So they, they paid me a certain amount of sponsorship money for every year of study. And they also gave me an internship every summer for two months. So over the four-year course, this was three internships, um, three very different internships. So um, they were to, paid internships, uh, paid internships um, in different places around the country I in different it. projects. Wow. So um, to answer your question, what dialed it up for me at university? I think it was a combination of I was studying something I wanted to that I had chosen. So it was a personal choice. Um, out of that, as the years progressed at university, I was able to make an even more selective choice on the modules that I wanted to study. Mm. So I was able to really focus on things that interested me. And then thirdly, I was able to apply what I was learning during my summer internships. So at the end of each year, I was going into the working environment for two months and applying what I was studying. And when I came back into the academic year, that just made life a lot easier because I had applied this stuff, it stuck in my brain, um, and then it made academics easier. Wow, wow. I must say, I mean, I don't know anyone who, who is as clued on about their profession as you are. And I always say this, I mean, you, like I said to you before, and a lot of people who know you say to me that um, you are one of those people who actually looks forward to going to work every day. <laughs> and I mentioned that to you. Every time I see you, actually, <coughs> I mention it to you. So for me, it's uh, it's it's such a such a new perspective because 99.6% of the people out there that I know of do not like waking up in the morning, do not like going to work, uh, hate the idea of nine to five, whereas you are that sort of a person who is completely, completely opposite of that. Completely, you're living in your own world, I must say, um, which is fascinating to see and uh, so, something to be completely admired of because you're one of those people I think everybody should should definitely know and understand that life can also be good living a normal nine to five life. Um, and you could, and I think the reason you are so good at it is because you've had that consistent experiences every single year for those two months working in an environment that you genuinely liked. Mm -hmm. And it was every single time, like I said, internship was different yeah. because the internship was different. It was, there was some sort of variability involved as well. Mm -hmm. So that motivated you to learn different aspects of that business, of that company. Yeah. Um, and then, from what you've learned at that university uh, to and to apply that in real life was was groundbreaking mm -hmm. in in a, in a lot of ways and that motivated you towards you getting number one in yeah. university i hope you enjoyed part one of this incredible interview please go to the next episode for the second part where Bilal and I discuss his career as an engineer and what he plans to do to progress in his professional life this was Vital Educators Podcast by Ahmed Sakeen. Hope you enjoyed. Please follow or subscribe for more content every week.